In the distance, church bells can be heard. We find ourselves in a messy office with no windows, arcane implements spread out over a dark wooden table. The floor is glassy and seems to glow in the dim firelight, constellations etched throughout it. In the corner, we can see a figure in a navy blue rope sitting in a lounge chair, a glass of dark red wine dangling from her hand, glistening in the dim light cast by the fire dying in the fireplace. From off camera, we see a clawed hand set a birdcage with a parrot in it on the table, a loud squawk echoing through the room as the camera suddenly cuts. Silk and Alistair, I think you beat Jeremiah back slightly. Cool. Do we respect his privacy or do we just let ourselves in? Well, the first question I had, can we tell that he's not there? I mean, if you knock, nobody will answer. Alistair will ring the doorbell like five times in succession. Uh, here's a buzzer code. They don't just like let people into the building. You see Silk just press all the buttons and waits for someone to open the door. That works. <laughs> okay, Jeremiah, do you have like legit security? I mean, it's a fancy-ish apartment building, so I assume there's like take security a bit more seriously. Uh, I don't know if it's necessarily like they have a man on the door, but it'd be a bit like more challenging than like your regular apartment building to walk in. Okay. So Silk, you like hit a bunch of buttons and after a moment, you hear a female voice come over the intercom and go, yes, may I help you? We're uh, here to see Jeremiah. Did he... um? register you on the list and you hear like papers shuffling in the background i honestly have no idea the name is alistair lockwood of the saint fleur lockwoods and he like cuts himself off from saying master of the arcane arts um i see a theodora on here from like a few months back but nothing for today is he in currently? Well, I assumed you tried to buzz his apartment first before you hit all of the buttons. I'm sorry, ma'am. I have no fucking idea which apartment he lives in. There's a long pause and then a... So how exactly are you guests again, then? He asked me to come over so we could have a conversation. I assumed, as most civilized people do that he would be here to greet us but again i said the word civilized so maybe i shouldn't have thought that much of him right well i can't let you in without you being on the list so i am uh going to have to ask you to wait until he returns to let you up Yes, yes, that's fine. And Alistair pulls out his phone and texts Jeremiah, and it just says, where you at? Jeremiah is driving and cannot answer his phone. Because he does not text and drive. Like a good boy. He'll drink and drive, but he won't yep. text and drive. Then <laughs> go dangerously over the speed limit. But we'll never text. Silk, so, while you were standing there enjoying Alistair floundering, you see out of a relatively new, relatively nice, but not too nice as to draw attention, car, step out, Dinah. Uh-oh. Dinah, were you here to see Jeremiah as well? 
Yes, I didn't know it was going to be a party. Well, apparently neither did he, as he appears not to be home at the moment. Oh, that's not a problem. And she just, like, punches a code into the buzzer and it opens. Can I put a face to a name? Yes, with mortality. That That's fair. She's literally not even looked at you yet. Like, she's only that's interacting fair. with Silk. <laughs> Jeremiah deserves this. Surprise. That his the streets also cost you some privacy. <laughs> That's a seven. Okay. Um, you have not personally met Dinah before, but you've heard her name. Particularly what you remember. How old were you when your parents died? He was pretty young. Okay. I don't remember the exact age. Have you gone through like your parents' notes at all and stuff? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, she's only in her 30s, though, so she probably wouldn't have done any work for them. I'm just trying to figure out how the hell Alistair, of all people, actually knows somebody's reputation. And it could be for the Arcane Network. Uh... Yeah, I mean, power is adjacent to the network. <laughs> he never leaves his house. He doesn't talk to people. He does. He's got connections with uh, the dead guy that used to run the bodega. And like, <laughs> she, he could just know her reputation. Yeah. You've heard of Dinah before. Like, you recognize her, like, when Silk says, Oh, Dinah, you like are able to connect the dots. She is part of the Arcane Network and is particularly skilled when it comes to cursed objects and has a good reputation for keeping her mouth shut and not selling out her clients. Good to know. And so she punches in that buzzer code and the door, the gate, like, opens to let you all into the building. Julian kind of stands outside of the gate and is just like, I can't until, well, I can get into the hallway. I guess he gets to wait outside for Jeremiah. Unless we, mm, does Dinah live there enough to be able to invite a vampire in? Jeremiah's going to say yes, then sure. I was going to go <laughs> probably yes. Nice. I mean, it does have keys. She is over a lot. It might technically count as her home, too. Diana looks at you, Silk. Looks at Julian. Looks at Alistair. Looks back at you, Silk. Are you going to vouch for them? Um, as long as you're not too interested in Alistair here. Um, he'll be a good boy. <laughs> well, come on in, then. Have you had a chance to look over the tome I lent Jeremiah the other day at the bar? Not yet. I was more than a little intoxicated last night, and um, Ancient Sumerian is unsurprisingly very difficult to read in that state. Yeah, I, I could see the characters dancing around, but that just makes it more fun. I try to avoid accidentally summoning demons. Well, where's your sense of adventure? I'm just not even going to dignify that with an answer, <laughs> and... Like, you all have made it up to Jeremiah's door, and she pulls out a set of keys and unlocks the door. Let's see. Am I nosy enough to explore Jeremiah's place of power? Yes. I am. Yes, you are. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody can roll with mortality if they want to. All right. Then I will do so. Let's see how this works out for me. No, that is a five. Basically, after you all step inside, Dinah is, like, going full hostess mode. It is, like, Hovering. Do you have a chance to clean up, or is it still obvious that this place was turned over? I mean, the only thing he really put back to place was the fern, and there's still, like, dirt on my carpet. 
So it very much looks like it's been broken into recently. So we might get distracted by that rather than exploring Jeremiah's curiosities. Yeah, it's a combination of the place still looks like it was broken into kind of recently. And Dinah is also actively keeping you out of any of the areas that would have anything interesting. <laughs> E.g. his office. You know, she she has her loyalties. She'll let you into his apartment without him being there. She won't let you into his office without him being there. It looks like our friend Jeremiah has had uninvited guests. Well, other uninvited guests. Whoever could want to do Jeremiah harm. Is there... It's very difficult to tell. Has anything been taken that would be of interest? Well, hopefully the shotgun from under the couch. And she, like, leaves down and looks, oh, he took the ammo, too. Interesting. Well, a shotgun without ammunition wouldn't be quite useful, would it? Big metal. I mean, there's other places to buy ammo that don't have warnings on it that say only use in case of dire emergencies. But, you know, I guess I should have guessed from his appearance that he just wouldn't have made the connection to maybe actually keep the warning. That's okay. He'll be fine. Also on the couch is uh, Jeremiah's mostly ruined suit. One armor, which is blackened with burn marks. Dinah, like, clears that off the couch and, like, makes the three of you sit down and is, like, playing full-on hostess until Jeremiah gets there. Well, um, Sulk is going to sit down, cross his legs, and uh, small talk if there's nothing else. And I think we're going to use that opportunity of her dragging Victor about the bullets to go see what's up with Victor, who is in hell, question mark? Not yet. I do want to be clear. You should put labels, like, regular bullets should only be used in dire emergencies, too. Okay, but that's already on the box. This Listen. was a handwritten note <laughs> from somebody who deals with, like, explicitly cursed objects. Should have had a better note. Anyway, I level it at nobody. You level your shotgun and there's nobody there. And you hear from behind you over here. Victor falls to the the bait and spins and turns the shotgun that direction so this space that you're in is like mostly gray and kind of hazy mm -hmm. and you see for a moment something that's like glowing red and then it starts to move okay i'm gonna shoot that yeah you should shoot that thing is it is this an unleash i'm trying to decide if it's an unleash or like it's a keep your cool. Go ahead and go with Unleash. That is a 10. Okay. On a hit, you inflict harm as established and choose one. I either inflict terrible harm or take something from them. Could I take the ability to teleport around from them? I mean, you could if you didn't get baited into shooting a gargoyle. No, you, you can. I'll let you do it. But... So what happens is, like, you fire the shot and you hear it clip something before impacting into whatever was right behind them, which was actually a gargoyle statue that, like, you hear crumble apart as there's an extra something to that bullet. Hmm. Interesting. But yes, I will take away this thing's ability to teleport. Where the hell am I? This time, the voices kind of sound like they're coming from a bunch of different directions. It's clearly putting in some effort for you to not be able to immediately find it. Not quite hell, not quite earth. Somewhere in between. Detroit? 
I mean, you could probably get to Detroit from here. Should I try and figure this entity out? You can go for it. Definitely seems willing to talk. Because all of my characters are willing to talk if you talk to them. My name is Victor. Who are you? That is a 10. On a hit, hold two. On a seven to nine, they hold one of them as well. While you're interacting with them, spend hold one to one to ask a question. Uh, Humans tend to call me Quinn. Well then, Quinn, what do you think you're going to get out of bringing me here? You were looking for me, weren't you? Did you steal a bunch of shit from Jeremiah? Jeremiah is the guy with the parrot, yes. You know, he really shouldn't keep that thing. I literally do not give a shit. For my second question, and what team do you play for, Quinn? Who's on your side? They go by the name Jonathan. Was Kyle not the dangerous one in that couple? They, okay. They, as in more than one. Yeah, sure. Human linguistics are weird. It can, I've also, it's been used for one person too. If I come out, are you going to shoot me again? Are you going to fuck with me? No. And then Victor, like, (laughs) does not put his shotgun away, but he, like, puts it on his shoulder. Then no. From, like, to your left, this creature steps out. They are probably four and a half feet tall. And their form kind of keeps shifting between a kind of just nondescript human who would be minus the height, like, easy to just lose track of in a crowd. And a kind of gold scaly demon uh, with black wings. And one of their wings is clipped and bleeding. So here I am. Do you want me to take you back? You found me. Good job. Thumbs up. Yeah, I was hired to find you. That's it. Put me back. I don't have to do anything else. Okay. They, like, with their wing that's not clipped, it, like, lifts for a minute and it comes back down. And you see the other side of that mirror that you got pulled through. It's like the mirror is floating there in the air. Do you know Niberius? That is not a name you should be saying here. Victor smiles. I'll be waiting for him. And then I jump through the mirror. You jump through the mirror and this uh, Quinn follows you out. And like, as soon as they pass through the mirror, they like turn to that human form and are just like sitting on the sink. And I don't pass messages to him for free. Okay. Then don't. I mean, word to the wise, he's not someone to fuck with. Okay. Am I someone to fuck with? I don't think so. Oh, you're fun to play with. Mm-hmm. You know, minus shooting me. That was kind of rude, but I was asking for it. Yeah. Anyways, I'll see you around. <laughs> and like just dives back through that mirror. What an odd person. Victor cracks the shotgun open again, ejecting the shell that he spent and like catches it in the air and like looks at it. Victor, when you catch it, can you please roll to keep your cool? Absolutely. What am I avoiding ha- bad thing happening? 
you know, just like some magical backlash of the curse that is on these shells that you just grabbed a spit shell with a bare hand. Sure. That makes sense. I mean, I'm wearing gloves, but they're not good gloves. They're okay. Well, it's, it's cold as hell. That's, that's, that's fair. I forgot that you're wearing gloves, but still, it's the improper dealing of this ammo. That is a 13. So you catch it, no problem. You feel like a bit of like a tingle, but it's nothing major. And as you're looking at the shell, they didn't look like this when you put them. It didn't look like this when you put it in the shotgun. But now there's like a bunch of different runes and demonic script on it. And as you're looking at it, because like you have a little bit of demon in you. Mm-hmm. Just a tiny bit, like, you know, like yeah, 10% demon. Yeah. yeah. You see the bullet has formed in the demonic script Quinn's demon name. Like, when you read it in your human mind, it reads as Quinn. But, like, you can tell that's not what you're actually looking at. Sure. Also, go ahead and take a debt on Quinn. I forget why. There was somewhere in there that I was like, yeah, Victor should take a debt on them. For being willing to not murder them at this time? Yes, probably. That's a good idea. They appreciate you not murdering them. Gotcha. Quinn owes me one debt for being polite. And you have Quinn's real name. Now then that's why you not that's why they owe you a debt. It's just good to know because names have power. They do. We get like three quick shots of Victor unloading the shot that is in the shotgun still, closing it up, and then putting one hundred dollars on the counter of a, a gun store. All right, and as we get those shots, let's go to Alex, who is at Finn's Club, but I never named. It's just always Finn's Club. It's fine. It can just be called Finn's Club. Yeah, it really, I mean, it legitimately can. Yeah, because that's exactly what Finn would do. Yeah. A mortal vampire just named the club after themselves. It's fine. It's fine. It's a family name. Yeah. That's what they'll tell anyone, at least. You and Finn walk in. It's... You know, late afternoon, early evening. So there's some employees there, employees prepping the bar and stuff for the evening. But it's not like there's any patrons here right now. Finn motions you to follow them up to their office. Yeah, Alex is not going to be making moves at this point. Uh, He's just following along up to the office. So one of the Jonathans is in there. He is wearing clothes that are in the same style of Fens, and he doesn't seem to recognize you. But it, it looks like Jonathan. Like, you you just saw Jonathan at the Merciers, like, this morning. Yeah, that was this morning. This is this evening. So I don't think Alex is actually going to say anything to him, because, again, he just looks like the help, right? Alex probably just assumes that this poor guy has two jobs. Oh, I love that we gave the help such a white bread day, right? And he kind of like comes to attention as Finn steps in. And Finn just kind of like waves his hand and dismisses Jonathan. And you notice that like Jonathan does bow before he leaves the room. But it was apparent that he was tending to Jew's body, which is just like... Not totally unceremoniously on the floor, but kind of unceremoniously on the floor of the office. I think Alex does take a minute to kind of look it over just to see, you know, what's been done to it. Because 
Last I saw this guy, he was hamstrung. I mean, those have been, like, the wounds themselves were stitched up a little bit. He's been washed off. Clean clothes have been put on him. But it's just kind of like, Ben knew that, like, they needed to get the body because vampire bodies did not decompose correctly. Mm -hmm. And figured, like, with everything that happened, because you, like, was able to figure out that, their brother was not just going to like was basically this body was an empty husk and mm-hmm. just like okay well i'm just gonna clean it up and set it there until i figure out what i'm gonna do with it odd to see this from the outside it's been a while but yes i think this will do just fine and alex kind of looks over at Fen. now i want to be very clear about my intentions here i'm going to give you your brother back but you're not getting that body that did sound like the deal that you were proposing, yes. Wonderful. Well? I am interested in what you propose I do with him in time, though. <laughs> that is, if I'm being honest, not something I had considered. Finn sits down on their desk, not in the chair behind the desk, like literally on their desk, legs crossed. You see, I'm not the same as you and him. I don't have that problem, which also means I don't have that ability. Good for you. So, while I am happy to trade you his old body for whatever of him is in your mind right now, you are condemning someone else to be sacrificed by doing That entirely depends on you. As it turns out, quite a lot of people die every day. I just need a body that can handle something a little more robust than your average spirit. And you don't think that a uh, 500-year-old traumatized soul is a little bit more robust than your average spirit? Well... Didn't give me a whole lot of trouble, if we're being honest. Yes. Also traumatized soul. Much older than the average soul with a body that is capable of regenerating. And Alex just kind of shrugs at him. Here's the thing. I can't save everyone. I have one very particular person in mind that I am trying to help right now. If you want a receptacle for your brother that isn't going to harm anyone. I know a few people I could put you in touch with. Otherwise, what you do with him is up to you. Well, Finn jumps off their desk and walks around to the bookshelves behind it. You can hear some rustling and then they come back with what looks like a funeral urn and set it on their desk. As far as I can tell, this will do for now until I figure out what I'm going to do with him. Fair enough. And Alex takes out of his pocket a couple of Jews' teeth, because if you'll remember, he had those. Now, I don't believe this would work normally, but your brother's a little more active than the average denizen of me. And he's going to open the urn, and put his hand over it and then just stab through it 
with that tooth. And I'm actually trying to let you out. Yeah, this definitely sounds like a let it out roll. Okay, let's see if I can fail some more. Oh, it's Nate. Cool. So yeah, I am going to take definite hold of something vulnerable or exposed. And the idea is that since I know that Drew is the same kind of vampire I am, I'm using a piece of him to just draw him into, and then I'm going to drop that into the urn. So I'm basically putting him in his own tooth. There might be implications of that, but it works for me if Alex is okay doing it. I'm fine with that. So I do want you to take one harm from doing that, though. Yeah, I'm fine with that. I also have to mark a corruption, so <laughs> that's fine. I know you have to mark the corruption, but, I, you know, this is, you literally just also stabbed yourself with a vampire tooth. You know, that's, that's fine. I am never going to get back up to not harmed. I'm okay with that. And as the tooth drops into the urn, Finn doesn't really slam, but a little roughly puts the lid back on the urn and like twists the urn a little bit. And you see it light up. It just looks like a pattern, light blue light, and they set it back down on their desk. And well, that should hold for a couple of hours until at least until I figure out where to put him. Um, it was a pleasure doing business with you, Mr. Drew Do you need some assistance getting the body into your vehicle? I could call Jonathan back in. No, I'm quite accustomed to moving bodies. And Oh, can I have his phone back? Of course. And Alex will just hand over his phone. Thank you. And just tosses that into a drawer. Because, you know. And at that point, Alex is just going to walk the body out and put it in the trunk of the Phantom. Nice. No implications here. Nope, no, not, not at all. It's fine. Don't <laughs> but yeah. He is going to leave Fen with his actual contact information. Okay, I was going to say, because if you did it, Fen was going to be like, give me a call. I'd love to take you out for dinner sometime. Yes, I do think we have things to talk about. It is nice to talk to somebody who's been around the block a few times. Yes, and let your brother know when you do figure out what to do with him, that it is in his best interests. Not to fuck with me again. I will make sure that that's abundantly clear to him if I don't kill him myself first. Oh, I wouldn't blame you. Have a good evening. And Alex is going to uh, head back up to Point Claire. Lovely. So as we get that shot of Alex in his car, we use that to transition to Jeremiah getting back to his place. All right. Uh, as he drives up, he'll notice the monstrosity of a vehicle parked very infuriatingly. Notice that they are not waiting outside. Put two and two together and figure they probably ran into Dinah and that she let them. Well, she couldn't leave them out in the cold and the snow, obviously. Uh, I haven't been here in a while. Yes. Did, did you tell him on the car ride over what you needed him to like do specifically? Yes. I need him to look into the past of my apartment and find out what went on during the robbery. Because it's pretty le recent. So he should have enough residue to work with. All right. Well, lead the way, my friend, and I'll see what we can figure out. Jeremiah will hustle Jeffrey up to his apartment very quickly so as not to attract attention. When you walk in, Dinah has been doing her best to play host but has given up on having any sort of conversation with Alistair and is mostly just talking with Silk. 
Alistair is sitting like a jerk with his legs crossed on the couch. There is the vampire from earlier sitting on the arm of the couch next to him, looking delightfully bored. Uh, he came along. Hello, dear friend. Stow it. Jeffrey, you'd be kind enough to do your thing. And, you know, don't worry about me ever seeing Mabel. They're fine. Uh, Dinah, uh, a moment in my office. Oh, Jeffrey does his work. So, Lester and Silk, Jeremiah walked in with somebody who looks homeless and like a drug addict because he is both of those things. And he is carrying around a cut-off head. He had it in his pocket, and now he pulled it out. Is it a shrunken head or a full-sized head? It's shrunk a little bit. Yeah, because, like, pulling out a head out of your pocket would probably surprise Silk. <laughs> Can I uh, put a face to a name? Yeah, go ahead. Um, roll with power. That's an eight. Because of your connections in the arcane community, you know who this is. This is Jeffrey, who is a homeless drug-addicted oracle. He is actually a pretty good oracle. He just spends all of his time high and therefore can, you know, you got to take everything with a grain of salt. And he carries around a shrunken head of... So it's a full-sized head, so it's probably in, like, a bag or just wrapped up in his coat. Yeah, so Jeffrey wanted to recreate what Odin did to uh, Mimir. Basically cut off his head and use him as a oracle when, you know, when he needed information. Jeffrey recreated that, so now he has a severed talking oracle head as a friend. Yeah, Jeffrey came here from Chicago a couple of years ago, and the head came with him. Her name is Mabel, not Mabel Fleur, don't be confused. But when he pulls this head out of his bag, she opens her eyes and, like, starts looking around. So Jeffrey with a wave and then also greets Mabel. It's just, This is perfectly normal. Alistair, you also know about Jeffrey. You also know that he is, like, hopelessly indebted to the unseely fae of the city because of his drug addiction. That's what most people know about him. Interesting. So, my dear Jeffrey, is it? Can I ask what brings you here this fine evening? Uh, Jeremiah asked me to look into something that happened here, and that's what Mabel and I are here to do, right, Mabel? Why are you such a goddamn idiot? See, that's what we're here to do. Quaint. She's quite well-spoken for a severed head. Well, it's, it's magic, my friend. I'm sure it would take me way too long to explain it to you. So I'm just going to do what Jeremiah here asked me to do and see if I can't figure out what exactly happened here. And what exactly was that that he asked you to figure out? I just told you, man. He asked me to look into the past. Anything in particular, or...? Can you roll to persuade? Because I feel like your continual pushing feels like a threat to him. That's fair. Oh, good. That's with a zero. That's a three. 
As you push him, Jeffreak stumbles over towards you and gets kind of uncomfortably up in your space, staring you in the eyes. And in like the most sober voice you've heard him use since he stepped in here goes, I think it's yourself that you need to be worried about, young Lockwood. And then like seems to snap out of it and like go back to kind of drunkenly stumbling around the room. Well, that's not disconcerting at all. In the meantime, let's see how that conversation between Jeremiah and Dinah is going. Jeremiah is going to close the office door. Well, Jeffrey does his thing. He is very clearly trying to uh, forever people in the living room off balance. Shit, Dinah says as she looks around the room. Yeah, um, <laughs> this happened? I mean... I knew it would be bad, but I didn't think it was going to be. They took the parrot. Yeah. Yeah. They, they took the parrot. I don't know what it does. Yeah. I did it. Sorry. You needed to talk to me. Yeah. Vainly, you know, hey, I've been robbed. And they took the evil parrot of fucking doom or whatever the hell it is. And some other stuff, which I'll, um, inventory and deal with later but mostly we took that parrot we have a big problem and i figured you'd need to be warned about it sooner than later yeah um is, is that the only reason you you called me here was to show me how bad it is jeremiah wants to roll to figure dinah out go for it that's a partial success all right, so you get to hold three because she is in the same faction as you, but she also gets to hold one. Uh, it's not just for parent. I've got Victor figuring part of that out. I've got Jeffrey to figure other parts of it out. Alistair's cousin decided to jump for portal into hell after I explicitly told him not to summon demons. So I've got him here to help figure that part out. It does seem like something Theodora would do. Yeah, but I mean, I was going to ask you this later. I I want to make things right between us. I overstepped your bounds. Uh, so how could I get your character to forgive me for that breach of trust? That's a big ask. Dinah's face softens a little bit that, like, this is what you're worried about at the moment. Among many other things, but I've got people on it right now. Okay, yes, but, like, out of everything that's going on in your apartment, and it's very minute, this is the conversation you're having. She's allowed to feel a little touched by that. Don't, don't downplay it. I guess I just, I want you to tell me what's going on. Like, why were you... It's not the first time I've gotten hit for a client and you went off the off the walls about it and I just I don't know. It's you tell me the truth. I think that's a step and a, an important one. Jeremiah is going to look down at the floor. His fingers are idly gonna reach into a pocket, grab a cigarette, just sort of like twirl it around his fingers, realize he probably shouldn't smoke inside, put it back. I know we started this relationship. Kind of keep it on the down low, keep it casual, keep things 
simple. I love you. We just get like a shot of Dinah's face, like mouth agape, like, wait, did I actually just hear that? Since I had to leave Toronto under very bad circumstances, things have been not great for me than just living under a false name, putting on that mask. You've been the best part my time here and when those fogs decided that we were going to have a go at you just doing your job, the old parts of me took over. It couldn't, it's hard to let that go when they're messing with you, reputation, people's close to you's reputation. When you're used to strength and violence being your main ways of getting people to respect you, things just, things get out of control very quickly. Okay. That makes sense. Sorry, I, I'm at a, I'm at a loss for words. What do you need from me right now? She's asking. What's your character hoping to get from, like, this situation, this very minute, from her? Something bad is going to happen, and it's going to happen soon. I need your help, and I need you close by, just to make sure nothing happens to you. I won't know more until Victor gets back with whatever he found, and Jeffrey finishes his thing. And then, uh, I've got Felicia coming over, too, for the books. Do you want a copy of... Some of Alistair's library. Rewind. Was that a marriage proposal in there? Like, like, failed. Failed. But it sounded like a Jeremiah way of saying, move in with me. Um, yeah, well, I... I mean... <laughs> I was gonna do something a bit more special. Jeremiah's gonna walk over to his safe. The one that wasn't broken into is a more personal, high security safe. Open it up, remove a small, dark bluish ring next to a worn looking uh, bottle. Close the safe. I was going to give you this, I don't know, after we got rid of Eric and I get on top of the Arcane Network. It was a whole thing I was going to plan, but I guess it's better to do it sooner. And he's going to offer Dinah his upper teleportation ring. And he's going to remove some of the bandages around his, like, damage hand and hold up the identical ring he has on his finger. This ring will help you find your way back to me if we get separated. You need my help. It's the other way around. I'm a cry for Jeremiah. <laughs> Dinah nods, like, because, like, she was kind of chiding you and was not expecting this to get this serious this quick. And uh, she, like, just grabs your hand and says, okay, of course, I, I love you too. Jeremiah's going to be a bit emotional for a moment. Okay, okay. Can we please get everybody out of your apartment? Yeah, I think Jeffrey should be finished doing his thing. 
Does that head creep the fuck out of you? You know, I'm much more fascinated than getting my hands on it and figuring out what exactly makes it tick. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I don't know. Maybe it's, it's cursed objects thing. It's you know, maybe <laughs> later we'll just knock Jeffrey off and take the head. <laughs> Wait. Well, do you still want me to call you Jeremiah? I. I don't know. Be honest. It. I mean, I guess I'm used to the name, but. Let me decide later. Yeah. Okay. That's. You, you can see Dinah starting to go into like planning mode and is like realizing everything that like just happened. And this is like basically as married as getting the arcade network. <laughs> go back out into the um, living room. Where Jeffrey is done. What does his ritual look like? He just touches things a lot and ah, like so is muttering to the head and the head's just like giving him muttering back. Like they have a really weird give and take friendship. <laughs> and once he was done, he just sat down on the floor across from the Alistair and just like stared at him the entire time. What have you got, Jeffrey? There was a demon here and like four or so humans who helped carry all the things out and they set up a mirror to get into I'm not sure if it was to get into get out to they came in through your bathroom mirror and then they used another mirror to shove all the crap they took through except for some of the items got handed off to the humans who were hired to make it look like a stereotypical break-in. Any identifying marks on the humans or his demon? Demon was short, like short four six ish. The the humans, it was all like I don't know, they um all had like these armbands with a anarchy style R on them. Hmm. All right, I'll look into that. Got their own mirror, or did they use one that was already here? They used their own to get in, but they used a different one to take the stuff out. Jeremiah, did you just want to see what's on the other side of your mirror, then? That might be a way for you to follow in their footsteps. Later. Thank you, Jeffrey. You've been very helpful. Uh, he'll cut out some bills and give them to him. You can use my fire escape. Jeffrey's going on a bender, y'all. <laughs> yeah. And Jeffrey uses the fire escape. Alistair. Yes. To make up for your incredible cock up earlier today. Oh, you mean when you shot me? Before I shot you. I need you to do something. Oh, this is, uh, quite bold of you. I take it back a little bit. He's going to bring out his, uh, bag of tools. Now, it's been a while since I've used this particular method to get someone to do what I want. But I always find explaining the torture before it happens is very conductive to more useful conversation. Do I need to do that? Or can we just skip to a part where, oh, I don't know, you agree to do what I say. Alistair looks supremely amused. What is it that you have in mind, dear, dear Jeremiah? I have an evil door trapped in my office. I need you to go out, 
find whatever supplies you need and use it as a focus and get it to bring Theodora to me. And why would I do that when literally around lunchtime you threatened to shoot her? Because we'll see how well you can live after I remove some of your fingers with bolt cutters. How about you start with this one? And <laughs> Alistair does the obvious middle fingers straight up at Jeremiah. The tension in the air is palpable. And like, as you've been making these threats, Jeremiah, Julian's been like sitting straighter up. And you could tell that he's moved from like a cat lazing around to a cat that is ready to pounce. I forgot you were sitting here. But you also know that like Dinah is right behind you. And Dinah like always has some sort of defensive weaponry on her. Very well. Let's come to an amicable agreement. And I'm going to roll to figure out Alistair. Okay. Very yes. All right. How can I get Alistair to bring Theodora to me? Let's make a deal, Alistair. His sitting room is kind of a bit too tense for my usual methods. What will it take to get you to bring Theodora to So we can stop whatever she wants to do. Well, her not being dead would be a, pardon the pun, hell of a start. I need her for things that I have in mind. Very well. I promise not to kill Theodora instantly. See, that word instantly there is. Iowa's dead. Leia means of purging her of any influence she's picked up and shutting down her magical talents for a bit. Oh yes, I'm fine with that. So is that a yes? Oh, we still had a no. I'm leaning towards yes, but what exactly is it that you're hoping to gain here? Why do you want her so badly? I have a thing against demons. I have a thing against bringing demons into the immediate vicinity of where I'm living. And I very much have a thing against people who truck with that kind of magic. Bingo. Look, I will bring dear Theodora here. You can stop her from whatever stupidity she is dealing in this week. But I need answers. And those demons are the ones who can promise to give them to me. So, if that's going to be a problem, I can walk out the front door and be on my way. I remember promising you information, Alistair. That offer still stands. Don't be an idiot. How do I know that you have that information? I may, I may not. But chances are, I can get it. I haven't survived this long. So... You bring me Theodora, I work my stuff with her, you will get information you seek. Maybe not immediately, but you will get it. Three days. I'm not saying you have to solve anything in three days, I'm not that dense. But you have three days to bring me a proof of concept. 
or else I'm going to the people that have answers immediately. Deal. He'll pull out his hand for you to shake? No. But the deal is official. Very well. Text me your questions. I'll find out. Now, all of you, get the fuck out of my apartment. Yeah. What the hell? Okay. This comes in through the window. Fuck me. No, I'm good. Victor, you'll be glad to know that me and Alistair had a perfectly fine conversation that did not involve killing or physical harm. This feels like a lie. The tension is still really high in the room. <laughs> there was... Yeah, and you know, Sophus is reacting to. <laughs> there was quite a bit of threatening with a bag of tools, I believe. Though they, they were never quite um, placed in our presence. I told you you shouldn't do that, Jeremiah. Jeremiah will indicate the uh, vampire. Don't worry. We had someone else to keep the peace, as it were. What did you find out? It's a demon. Escaped through a, a bathroom mirror in a subway. Named Quinn. Quinn. They've got your stuff. Fan-fucking-tastic. Subway as in the restaurant or the train station? Could I possibly put a face to a name once I hear Quinn? Yeah, room with wild. It's a seven. Coincidentally, can I also put a name to a face? (laughs) No, I'm letting one of you have it and Silk already rolled it. (laughs) That's fair. Silk, you have heard whispers of the name Quinn before. Quinn is actually a half-breed. Interesting. In that they are half-demon, half-fey. And they don't really belong to either realm and they do work for both. Interesting. Quinn, the half-breed. I, I wonder what their interest in all of this is. They're a rare sort. I bet you it's their parrot. Parrot? Ugh, I keep an evil parrot. <laughs> you did have that parrot here the last I visited. Was it taken? Yes. So it was. That's why you can't hear it squawking right now. Well, I figured you found a way to put it to sleep finally. I wish I had. Anyway, parrots out. Things are in That's danger. probably not good. Thank you, Victor, for the information. Thank everyone. I'll talk to you guys later for more information. Now, would you kindly leave the fucking apartment now? Well, good to know that the Doom Parrot is out and about, but shall we be off then? Yes. Yes, you really should. Jeremiah, why are you so eager to get us out? Is there something you plan on doing? Or someone, perhaps? Alistair, this is a good way to get another gun pointed at you today, which is exactly what happens. That's not good. And you see her, she actually has like a concealed pistol, and she pulls it out, points it at you, and says, Get out of the apartment. All right, no problem. Jeremiah will also pull out Victor's revolver. Victor puts a hand on his shotgun. Ah. <laughs> uh, let's all just be friends. The door's that way, Alistair. Same of you, Silk. Vampire. I'll be out in just a moment. I was 
going to uh, show you a neat parlor trick if you had a bag of rice about. Leave <laughs> now. <laughs> Alistair just like leaves with his hands held up. Victor just sits in the window waiting for everyone else <laughs> to leave. So, so leaves. He has uh, no skin in this game. Jeremiah, I've got something that you might be interested in. Give you a first crack at it. And I hold a small paper baggie. Oh, I've got Quinn's real name in here. You use the ammo. Well, I thought it was a reasonable disclaimer to put on regular bullets. So. <laughs> Jeremiah will reach out very carefully. And take the and bag. And Victor pulls it away from you. What do you want for it, Victor? Jeremiah, you owe me for this one. And then he hands it over. Yes. Yes, I do. All right. Good evening. And he just goes back out through the window. Fucking finally. Jesus. You see, this is why I only work with Theodora. Yeah. Things got a little bit more complicated. Jeremiah's gonna look at his watch, look at his phone. Shit. I forgot I was buying guns off of Celia. That's bold. You need a ride along? Yeah, yeah. How much time do we have? You will be five minutes late if you drive at your normal speed and leave this very minute. God damn it. All right. I will let you ask those other questions off screen if you want, or we can do it in the car on the way there. Jeremiah will probably ask them in the car on the way there. Alex, you're going back to your, your place, right? That is the plan, yes. I mean, you get there, obviously. Cool. I assume it's not on fire. It is not on fire. Alex kind of parks in the little alley behind the bookshop from which a brick was thrown through his window not too long ago. True. So just to be, you know, out of sight and takes a moment to make sure there's no one in the back room before, you know, moving a body upstairs, right? Right. There's no one there. I assume you have, since it's like a little boutique shop, you have awful hours and your workers have closed for the day. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing this place is even still in business, right? Yeah. It definitely loses money every year. Not that... Alex is worried about that in the slightest. Yeah, he's just going to take a body upstairs and check in on his house guests. House guests. Right? That's, that's great. Cass is like sitting in the living room area when you come in with the body and mm -hmm. looks like it's just, what the fuck? Uh, yes, well, I suppose I should have called ahead. My apologies. Give me just a moment and I'll, I'll take care of this. And uh, Alex is going to take it over to, if we're being honest, probably just a spare closet, just over to a spare closet to kind of, you know, prop it in there and then lock that closet door, obviously. I'm going to trust you on this one. I'm going to trust you on this one. It's just a dead body. I've seen dead bodies before. It's just a body. Well... Dead is a strong word. In most ways that matter, yes. In other ways that matter quite a bit more, no. Remember our conversation from earlier? 
where we talked about your particular situation. Yes. And how I inquired whether Leon would be willing to separate should an appropriate vessel be found. That's the vessel. Yes. Okay. I should have the means to do this within about 48 hours. I've got someone working on it. After which, well, you will be the sole inhabitant of your body. She kind of has that look that, like, that kind of just actually hit her because it's not just been her in there for quite a while. And she just kind of, like, does that little bit of, like, that, not necessarily shell-shocked, but, like, just a little bit of a numb nod definitely picks up on that because he has he has seen shock a lot and i think he is going to head over and pour her probably a glass of wine nice and just bring that back over i understand this is going to be a large change and there is one other thing that i once this is done what is your plan? I I hadn't thought that far ahead yet. Truth is, you're quite a good investigator. You know a lot more than the average person. You could do quite well for yourself. But I can tell you, in this city, I don't know that you'll be allowed to. She takes a pretty hefty swig of the glass of wine you handed her. It doesn't say anything. So here's my offer. Spend some time thinking about what you want out of your life once it is yours alone. And whatever you need, I will make happen. It's the least I can do. And I think at that point, Alex is just going to give her some space. Before you step away, she nods and then... Oh... Someone came by earlier. I didn't answer the door, but they left a bouquet of flowers and a card. I set it on your desk. Of course. Thank you. I, I appreciate it. And uh, yeah, he's going to go check that out. So you find on your desk a bouquet of a dozen roses tied up with a black silk ribbon and a note card that has the symbol of the St. Slur Parish on it. And it just says, To Mr. Giroux, you are cordially invited to the bell tower this evening at midnight. I think Alex just legitimately has himself a nice little laugh at that. And as we get that a shot of Alex chuckling, our camera fades to black. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed what you heard, make sure to subscribe to us on your preferred podcatcher and follow us on Twitter at St. Fleur Pod. If you want to support the creators who are bringing you this content, consider leaving us a rating and review on your preferred podcatcher or tweeting us your thoughts so others can see how much you're enjoying what you're hearing. 
Shadows of St. Fleur is an Urban Shadows Edition 1 actual play podcast emceed by Landon Corbin. You can find him on Twitter at OccasionalGM. This episode was edited by Bree. She can be found on Twitter at PseudonymSocial. Production for this episode was done by Elliot, who can be found on Twitter at ElliotOnMain. Both of those individuals are available for hire and are delights to work with if you're looking for somebody to help you with your podcast production. Alistair, who has been left in the rain due to his lack of manners more than once, is voiced and played by Elliot. You can find him on Twitter at ElliotOnMain. Alex, whose head is evidently just slightly better than a funeral urn, is voiced and played by Jeremy. You can find him on Twitter at TayuFace. Silk, who doesn't understand this silly concept of privacy, is voiced and played by Eric. You can find him on Twitter at PrimeFactorX01. Victor, who has actually only been to Detroit once and absolutely hated it, is voiced and played by Evan. You can find him on Twitter at Nyquist underscore J-E. And finally, Jeremiah, who definitely has it completely together and isn't starting to unravel, is voiced and played by Allison. Urban Shadows is a Powered by the Apocalypse tabletop role-playing game written, designed, and developed by Andrew Medeiros and Mark Diaz-Truman. It is published by Magpie Games, who you can find at magpiegames.com or on Twitter at MagpieOfficial. Farewell, dear listener. We'll see you next time you visit St. Fleur.